and money. How can our country continue to manage their finances? How can we continue to manage our finances as individuals? What does God have to say about how we manage our finances? What does our views on money have to do with our economic success, both individually and as a country? The topic of God and money is a very important one. In this segment today, we will continue our very important conversation because we understand that without God, there is nothing. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of C-File Talks. I am Senior Financial Literacy Coach Richard Pinder, along with Senior Financial Literacy Coach Shanice Taylor. Join us today as we discuss the significant topic of God and money. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Kirsch Darvel began ministering in 1988 as an associate youth pastor under the leadership of Dr. Dave Burrows, senior pastor of BFM, for five years. This exposure to church leadership subsequently led to other appointments within the church. The accounts team, a counselor, associate mission director, president of the men's ministry, and now fellowship pastor of BFM. He worked in the financial services industry in offshore banking and trust for 30 years in the areas of accounting, administration, risk management, processes, and training. As fellowship pastors at BFM, Kirsch and Suzette continue to lead and inspire, drawing on their extensive experience in both ministry and finance. The couple has two adult children, Ashley Brittany and Eric John. Welcome to the show, Dr. Darrell. It's good to be here. So, Pastor Kirsch... We are continuing our conversation on God and money. And what we were discussing is a little bit about who you are. What we would like to discuss is a little bit about who you are and your background. Of course, from your bio, we can tell that you do have a financial background. And we just wanted to kind of give a, give, give the people an idea of who you are. Yeah, well, my financial background started all the way back coming out of high school. I... um Worked for a bank called the People's Penny Savings Bank, so I date myself. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I, before before we started, I was I was sharing with your with your co-host that uh, I joined there straight out of high school, and um, it was a Bahamian bank. So I, I worked first of all, starting off at a Bahamian bank, uh, People's Penny Savings Bank, going on to a U.S. bank, Chase Bank, and then uh, another bank, a Canadian bank, and then onto a Swiss bank. So I've had a history of working with a number of banks, but my my journey in banking started from high school studying accounting. So the funny thing about, and this for the young persons out there, is sometimes in school you don't know what you want to do, you know? And here I was coming out of high school and I passed GC accounting. Never thought I had any love for this thing, but I passed <laughs> it, you know what I mean? <laughs> Didn't study for it. In fact, to be a joke, which I, I, I literally on the day of doing my GCE was the first time I opened my textbook. Oh. <laughs> okay. And I remember. I don't know if that's a story you want to young I don't know. Yeah, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth, man. I actually was trying to peel the pages open. They were still stuck together. Oh, my, so, oh my goodness. But I had a teacher in school who used to give us a lot of past papers. He spoke and he, we, did, we did a lot of practice exercise in the class. So I didn't read the textbook. I would have gotten a better grade, I felt, if I learned the terminologies. <laughs> <laughs> to say the but, least. To say the least, right? But I knew how to prepare financial statements. I learned all, I know how to journal entries. I learned all that stuff yeah. in the accounting classes and doing all those past papers in school. Um, but that was what gave me, that's what got me the job. And the little that I would have known, I would have loved that job. Mm -hmm. 
So I started off working doing reconciliation with People's Penny Saving Bank. It was my first job was to reconcile what they used to call, they had these trays. They had one control card that actually was, and they would put trays would go, let's say, for the alphabet from A to D. So I'm talking, this is about like 40 or 40 plus years ago, but I enjoyed it so much. But uh, so you had to, so the control card was at the front of the tray, which had a total of all the deposits and withdrawals within that particular tray. So if that tray went from A to D, your name, uh, you know, names going from, last names going from A to D, they had all these cards in it. So people who know the old days know that there was a control card and you had to balance that. I remember the first time going in there and they had some trays didn't balance like five cents, 10 cents for like years. Mm -hmm. And so a young boy coming out of school, they gave it to me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember going in there and I had to go through all the deposits and withdrawal slips for like 10 years. And wow. I balanced those within six months. So it was my first introduction to accounting. Mm -hmm. Left from there, worked for the government as a government auditor. Um, the next year, and I worked there for six years. Um, I was I was responsible for checking those government departments that were responsible for the collection of revenue, and so I love that. But it wasn't you know working for the government was not a lot of money for the things that I wanted to do in life, and so the opportunity came. Uh, I applied for a bank job, and it happened to be in client accounting, which meant that I had to learn how to prepare financial statements for trust and companies. Having no banking experience, no idea about portfolios. You guys here, I'm here. So I know that uh, <laughs> your colleague here, she manages portfolios and that kind of stuff. So I learned about stocks, bonds, and stuff. Without having a degree, I learned on the job. I learned the investment market. I absolutely loved it because one of the things about doing financial statements is financial statements gives you a total picture of a person's position mm -hmm. at a point in time. And I learned that on the job. So taking, taking, Figures and creating a financial picture at the end of the day was always very exciting to me. Finding those differences, learning how to find differences and posting them and putting it together. Uh, because my, my mindset was one of those persons who loved to do puzzles. Yes. So, yeah. So putting it all together was like a puzzle. Left from there and went into trust administration after finding out that, you know, when you when you do financial statements, they just want to know that at the end of the day, you, you did the numbers. Yeah. If they told you 25 financials to do a month, then that's you. But administration was the area I saw where people were actually moving ahead in their career. And so I said, you know what, why don't I try that? That was another beautiful experience for me because it told me how to organize. Administration teaches you how to organize. And that skill set is what I use now in the bank. I mean, from in the bank in, as, a, as, a, as a pastor. So my administrative skills were developed, learning how to write a letter, how to correspond with people in writing. I learned that as an administrator, as a trust officer. When I was ready for another move, it became risk management within the bank. And, and I was transferred into risk management. And there again, it was analytics. It was working with processes. And also the training department was something that I, I got involved with. So my banking experience went from managing pennies uh, to preparing financial statements, working then with processes and training uh, and uh and, and that journey for me gave me a, a total financial picture. When I was 19, about 19, 20 years old, I never forgot a friend of mine. We were both studying for our A-level at the time. And our journey, we said, was this. I said to him, I said, I don't know if I want to work with people. I don't necessarily want to be somebody who's in charge of ma managing a team. Just give me processes. You know what I mean? I just want to manage the process. And as a 19, 20-year-old, I was actually predicting my future. You know, and that when I worked in the trust years later, that kind of been like 30 years later, working in trust 
managing processes, every, every policy that ever changed within Switzerland, the international policy, when I was working for the bank, I was the person that had to cause that policy now to become a local policy in the Bahamas at my company. And I was just amazed to see how God had taken me through this evolution that I had spoken about what I wanted to do. And I was actually loving what I did. I worked with processes. I looked, I loved policies, creating policy. And, and that was something that I, 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 I actually, my ending my career in banking was something I loved up until the end. But God shows us, I believe. And one of the key things I said to at 19, I said, I want to understand how money flows. I said it to him. He's a friend of mine. We both said it. And he said, I, he said, he was studying economics and accounting. I was studying accounting. And, he, and we said, man, I want to understand. I said to him, I said, my career, I want to do this, this uh, auditing for a bit. Then I want to go into banking. And I said, I want to finish up in insurance because I want to see, I think insurance would then give me a total picture mm-hmm. of how money flows, how money works. Wow. You know, so I had this keen interest in money, not the love of it, but to see how it all works, how it all comes together from an accounting standpoint. That's how my mind worked. And so, you know, over the years, seeing how it flowed through the system, uh, how it operated and how it can be a benefit to you as a tool, as we mentioned in the first part, yeah. money is a tool. And it should be used for your benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Yes. I, I like that, that when he when he got into that field, it was so he could understand. You know, it wasn't necessarily he was chasing. The, I mean, the dollars were a benefit. It wasn't the main yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. It, but you're not making the money working for the government was a desire. And then it was a desire for more, you know, mm-hmm. after doing what I did, just, just, just you know, checking books. I wanted more. I wanted more. And God gave me more. Yeah, I think I think your journey is very important. I, I, you mentioned talking to young people. I think it's a very important that no matter what your passion, no matter what your continue to learn. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing that I want persons to get from yeah. from your story. Continue to learn. Continue to have a desire to want to, to learn and get better at whatever it is you do. I, I love what you said. In terms of learning, you know, I went into I went into accounting with just having a G, just having GCE, right? Mm-hmm. But over the years, being into financial services, it demanded that you go to school and Correct. learn. So I actually, my whole, I, I, I went in the classroom very, on very few occasions. My, my, my unique trip to getting an education to, up to a master's degree was all self-taught for the most part. When I was doing A-level, it was like getting the material from London and studying it at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, when I did STEP, which I had to do with the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners, you study the material on your own. They come over for one week, mm-hmm. and then you set the exam at the end of the week, right? right? But so when I did my when I so there was like that was like like at a, at a step is like at the bachelor's level when you finish with it. Mm-hmm. When I just when I was finished with that, they then said you can now do your masters through the University of Manchester, wow. and here it was, I did that. So it was again correspondence. Uh, I believe that people have to find, and in this day and age, you can learn online, you can get anything, you know what I mean? I think the great thing about it is, while you're learning, you're getting, I got practical while I was learning. I got the theory as I was going along. And I think the great thing is, we live in a time now where we have no excuse to say, well, I can't go off to school. You can learn online, you can get education. Wife and I, we still learning, you know? I'm 60 years old, I'm still studying, I'm still learning. And so I think, you know, you continue to learn. Mm-hmm. So how how is your views now that you're now a spiritual leader, you're a fellowship pastor, how has your views on money changed? I think I understand more of what God intended 
when it came to money. Because all the way back, as I mentioned in the first one, when you look at when God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse, verse 28, he says he wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. And it means then that no matter where you start in money, long as you don't make it a God. Jesus says these two things you'll serve. Either you serve God or you'll serve money. And so we've got to make sure that we serve God with our talents, with our abilities, and money will come. And money then, when it comes, must be managed. It must be used as a resource to help ourselves, to help our family, first and secondly, and also to help others. So money is a tool to be used never to hoard to yourself. It is to be used, the portion fact, God says what? Take a tenth of it to give back to him. Right. So that's an automatic. That's not what you think. You know, it's to give back to his church It's to make sure that the church continues. That's how the work of the ministry goes. So when I came into working full time, I understood that I was going to leave my life of banking where I made money in the banking sector and that now I would live off the tithes and offering. When you go back to the book of Leviticus, God set his church in order from the very beginning. When he set up the priestly duties, he says that the priests shall be the ones who shall not work because their work is to be the priests. They were to take the sins of the people to God and they were to make sure their lives were in order. They were the spiritual leaders who were to feed the flock. And so they were not to work. He says that the, that the people of Israel were supposed to take whatever they got from their field, whatever income they got, the tenth of it was to go towards the priests, was to go towards the church. That hasn't changed. Yeah. Uh, pastors and those who are in ministry, they live off the tithes and offering. That's how they pay their bills. Not because you work for the church means all of a sudden, you know, somehow miraculously this money is going to come from heaven. No, it comes from the tithes and offerings. That's how we, that's how I pay my bills. That's how I pay for my insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's important that people are able to connect the dots. Right. And, and don't think, well, people did it for the money. No, people have different reasons why they may be in ministry. But, a lot of pastors will make a whole lot of money. I mean, you know, so it's not, you can't be for the money. You know? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> can't be for the money. Yeah. Before you became a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. how was your, your attitude towards giving? Because, you know, you told us to be responsible. Yes. And, you know, money management to help, mm-hmm. help people, help yes, the yes, kingdom yes. of God. Well, you know, in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows generously will reap generously. The kingdom of God is so different from the world. Imagine this. God says, if you give more, more will be given to you. You know what I mean? So in the kingdom, I had learned before coming in what it was to give. Not just tithe, you know, just to give. Just to, just to give to people is something that you sow and in giving. And it helps you not only that. When you sow, cast your bread upon the water. And when you do, you cast it to many different people. You give not just to one. You give to a lot of different people because you never know which one's going to come back to you. It was so amazing, you know. I don't want to talk my pastor's business, but I can say it anyway today because he, he did it in secret, right? My wife this year found out that she had cancer, okay? The beginning of the year, on January 15th, she found out she had cancer. So she always tell the story now how on the 17th was my birthday. She waited, right? So now here is our year starting off with cancer. And so when the people in the church found out that she had cancer, you know, it's the first thing they did. They rallied around and they began to give to us. So here we were sowing seeds, preaching, teaching, giving the word of God. And now we're in this financial situation of a crisis. When you've sown your seed out there mm-hmm. to many different people, you never know. You never know. You never know. And, and, and Richard, I, I say this, man. You know, when those people were giving, 
Because when the announcement was made in church, people just started to associate. And people like lining up to come to give money. They was giving it to me. They was giving it to her. And I forgot there was this man on the line to come to me. And he was patiently waiting to come to give me this money. And, and so finally he came and he says, he says, he says, Pastor Kirsch, he said, I don't know much, but I want to give this to you, you know, to, for you and Pastor Susan, because he knows now I got to go. We got to go yeah. to, to the hotel. To we got to rent car, the, car, the, yeah, the whole, the the whole nine cost, yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what touched me, right? Is this man only had very little and he gave me this $50. Wow. You hear me? $50 he gave me. It brought tears to my eye because when they explained to me, they said, "Man, you know the man's a bus driver. He doesn't make much." And when you understood the story, yeah, yeah, oh my god! You You see, because he understood the principle of sowing, he who gives even very little, God's going to give much to him. And I prayed over him. I said, "Man, may God bless you." We cried. I mean, I know I cried, and I was like, "Man, God, this man is what? He's giving me his little." My pastor, man, and the last when my wife had to go over the last time to get the final operation. And I said to him, I said, man, they, we got to go again. Now, this is the second time. We were there for six weeks in the hotel, car and everything, food, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I'm, I'm going. He said, Kirsten, he said, man, you know, I have some, I have some hotels. I have some stuff. He gets these coupons. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, I'm going to give me, I'm going to make sure you get straight for some hotel, for some hotel room. And I'm thinking, so he said, give me a call. Now, this man is busy. I said, Dave Burroughs is a busy man. Mm-hmm. I call him. Or rather, he's sending me information about, he's booking my hotel, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this man is booking my hotel. I'm thinking, wow. I feel so bad. I feel like, oh my God, this man has all this stuff he's doing. Mm-hmm. He calls me up. He says, Curse, I got you. I'm going to get two, two rooms or three rooms here at this hotel, and then I can get you another. And, you know, and he's constantly, and he said, and, you know, and Pastor Angie, she's getting, she gets these coupons too. And, you know, and I'm thinking, let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, no matter who it is, you got to sow seed. He was sowing seed into my life mm-hmm. because he understands this principle of sowing. But I was more like, man, I felt so bad, but yet still happy to get yes. a hotel room, right? Yes, so. It's the fact that this man is so busy and all that he's doing, he's taking time to book my hotel. You know what I mean? And I didn't even book it online because you know? <laughs> I felt like you know, I got so much to be doing, you know? Yes. But in the kingdom of God, no matter who you are, whether you're a pastor or not, you must sow a seed too. And I think I think that kind of ties into something else that we want to talk about because a lot of persons battle with that mm-hmm. um, because they're trying to balance their own financial stability right. versus mm-hmm. being a giver, being a soul. So, right. And so, what do you what do you say to the persons in that situation where where they're trying to balance their own mm-hmm. needs and they yes. have hardships, and they, you know, right? Their own yeah. hardships, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the Bible has many many stories about people who are in hardship. You had a woman one time, you know, she she says, you know, I only got a little bit of flour, I only got a little bit of, you know, this 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 that I have. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to bake a bread and then me and my son, be just going to die. But the prophet was there. And he said, he, he told him, make it for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what you have, make it for me. But the thing is, she gave her last and God gave back to her. Sometimes, and when Jesus one time was in the temple, there was a woman who, who gave the very last little that she had. And God says, Jesus says, she gave more than all those people who were giving her the excess. When you, when you sow, you're sowing to the king. And there's a scripture that says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 70 says, Whosoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. God says, when you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. Imagine that. And he will repay you. He will reward them for what they have done. 
you always have something to give, no matter how poor you are, no matter what you say you may have. The woman, she could bake a piece of bread. You know, some people, they bake bread and they give it to their neighbor. They give a piece. They got a half. It's always something you can give. And when you are giving, have to be money. you are actually activating heaven on your behalf. The scripture says, even poor people. I remember when we were doing an outreach in one of what they call the ghetto areas. We were, and I was like, this was a couple of years ago. So just kind of reason to some degree. And I never forgot, we went to a home. And while we were there in that community, People were bringing food. Mommy just finished cooking. They said, you know, and they were, I mean, I was like, wow, this is a community where if they make a bread, they was given, you know, in the poor community, they understand the principle of they're in a survival mode. So no matter how little I have, they're not holding it back. You know, they're sharing. They send a plate of food over. They send a, you know what I mean? So you're never in a position where you don't have. That's right. They sharing a plate of food to the old woman down the street Mm -hmm. who don't have, they know they ain't get nothing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's how they, they know one another. In fact, they may have two or three houses within that same piece of property. Mm-hmm. But when we eat, everybody eat. I, 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 think, I think that's very important what he just said about the community sharing mm-hmm. and how we talk about acts, you know, when everything was in abundance, they gave to the people, you know, yes. it was a community effort. Mm-hmm. And I guess it brings us back to a question that I always asked when I was younger. Well, if there's so much money, if there's so much wealth, you know, God, said we have this access to wealth and how to use it why is there poverty in the world and you know across countries you know geographically you know you have some areas that just poverty stricken and then some areas are like you know they're just fruitful i know personal decisions but i guess can you expand on that in terms of you know as a country's finances like what 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 can we do to apply to make our country better and other countries that may you know yeah, economic success yes. yeah we have to we have to have God move on the hearts of people to understand that they should be giving to one another to help one another. I know when in 2019 when we had the hurricane, mm-hmm. I never forget man we were you know we have all of our executive past the pastors the leaders in the church we would have a meeting and I remember in one of those meetings, my wife made a statement. She said, she said, um, I want to give, I want to be able to give. This is right after the hurricane. She said, I want to be able to give to feed a thousand people per week. This is what she said. She put it out there. This is like Thursday. We have a meeting on Thursday. She said, I'd love to be able to give meals to a thousand people. And I went, I was on the call. We were all, you know, we were on a Zoom call. And I went, like, oh God, I wish she'd said that to me before she made that statement in this meeting. You know what I mean? And I was feeling like, oh my God, she's because a thousand just seemed like a, a large number. A large number. Yeah. It seemed ridiculous to even, even say it, right? Do you know that that Monday the Red Cross called her? Called her. Not none of you, none of us called her for whatever reason. They called her and said to her, I would like for you to, we would like for you to be able to open up the church so that you can be the person responsible on BFM to be responsible for feeding the community. It's a government program that we're operating through the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be able to feed 1,500 people. (laughs) So so here it was, God had dropped into our heart the desire to give to 1,000 people. And she in that meeting was saying how she think it should operate. She was saying they could pull up. She already had in her mind. He gave her a vision as to what can be done. God speaks to people tells them what to do to help people. The question is, are we listening? You hear what I'm saying? So you're in a, you're in a poor country. You're in a, God is always wanting to feed and take care of the poor. I want you to understand this, though. Jesus made a statement. He says, the poor will always be with you. 
the way you deal with poor people is you always train poor people how to come out of their poverty. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? The poor, to the oppressed, right? Why do they need the gospel? Because they're poor. How are they poor? They're poor in their mind. In their mind, the mindset. In their mind. Absolutely. So the mindset of a person who is poor, Jesus says they are oppressed. They are under a spirit of oppression. They're under a spirit of poverty. How do you break that? Is you change their mindset. You give them the idea that God wants to help them and God wants to improve their situation. You train and you educate them how to improve to use what's in their hand. What has God given you to do? What is your gifting? And you help. That's where the church comes in. The church trains and develops people to understand that every human being was born with a gift to be used to take care of their life. You have to discover what that gift is so you don't be poor no more. Yeah. To give people money, just like Jesus did, he fed the 5,000. You know what? Next day they come looking for food again. Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Poor people, that you should never really give to poor people on a continuous basis. Why are you giving to them? You're training them. You're developing them. You're helping them how to take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, people used to say, teach them how to fish, and you never... I was thinking it, I was thinking it as you said it. You, know yes, you teach, that's... you train people yes. how to take care of themselves. Yeah rather than giving to them. A society who gives to the poor is setting themselves up for yeah. failure. Wow. Yeah, I think, I think it's so important because one of the things that when we talk about our country, we talk about our nation and, and the various things that are going on, money is a resource, as we've been talking about throughout this, throughout this segment. Money is a resource. And God has given so many persons the, the vision and, and the plan. And so once we figure out a way individually, it starts with us individually, how we can manage ourselves and then how we can manage the vision that God has given us. The money is there. The money is always there. The money is there. And he's never gone anywhere. It's, it's, never, it's, it's not left the earth as the Bible says, right? Yes, yes. Long and so it's, it's, it's so yeah. important that, that mm -hmm. we start individually yeah. and then we can apply it and take care of others and, and each one help one, as yeah. the saying goes, because then our nation can benefit from that as well. You always start with taking care of those in your immediate and then you go from taking care of others. Yes. Always start, you know. And then the Bible tells you, if he doesn't take care of his own, it's worse than the infidel, worse than the sinner. Absolutely. So, yeah. Pastor Kirsch, are there any final thoughts you want to give us on God and money? I, I think what is important for us to understand is, as we stated start, start, in the beginning, money is a tool. Mm -hmm. Never let money rule you. Mm -hmm. It's either you're serving God or you're serving money. Let it be an opportunity so you can serve it to the world and those around you. Mm -hmm. When God blesses you, always be thinking about Again, how do you meet your needs first, mm -hmm. that of your immediate family, and then you always look towards others. Because the world is never just a revolving around you. Mm -hmm. God wants us to take care of ourselves as well as our neighbors. Use money always as an instrument to meet the needs of others. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest blessings that can ever happen to you. Mm -hmm. It's better to give, the scripture says, than to receive. Mm -hmm. And so money is always about how do I allow this to be? serving one of the hardest things that can ever happen to you is someone who comes to you and asks you to give to them and you don't have it you know what i mean i think that's one of the that hurts me when someone can come to me and say to me man i really need this mm -hmm. my education or i can't feed or i can't do you know yeah. um but always be thinking lord give me more so i can give more but it always tells you now he only increase based on how you manage the little right. he will give to those who have learned how to manage the little he would increase it. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Darvel. And the takeaway for me was you always have something to give, you know, even in the little that you have. So that, that really touched me. So in conclusion today, we would like to thank our guests, Pastor Kirsch Darvel, for his contribution and words of wisdom to this discussion, God and Money, Part 4. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you to Cfile for sponsoring this episode. Until next time.